to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle of Geeks on 2SER. sweet sounds of geese honking such sweet sounds honk 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 oh my god (laughs) why did we need the geese we could have just got you (laughs) my name is sophie live i'm talia olatia this is gaggle of geeks your weekly geekly dose of geek and pop culture we ramble yes yeah, we ramble about all things. Increasingly ramble more and more. <laughs> Every so often we see a rabbit hole and we just dive into it. That's what Blake told me when he listened to it last week. He's like, you guys went through one hell of a rabbit hole. It's like, yeah, we did. And what was funny is like we go down a rabbit hole and then we're like, oh, look, another rabbit hole. <laughs> down we go again. We are like a bad Reddit subreddit. <laughs> Just you just kind of get there and be like, why? Where are we? Why are we here? I mean, when we when we created this podcast, it was supposed to be like you know in depth discussion about <laughs> geek and pop culture, and then I came on it. <laughs> no, we always went down rabbit holes, even when Blake was around. <laughs> They're just so tempting. It's just so shiny. <laughs> What's over there? Ooh. <laughs> it's one of those things that in your head you mm. go, oh, I see the jump. I see mm. the link. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. And then all of a sudden you kind of look back mm. and you're like, oh, yeah, we were talking about X and now we're talking about bananas in Paris. Like <laughs> we got there somehow. Don't just know how now. we got there, but we're there now. So we're let's there. just go with it. Yeah, let's go with it. How are you doing, Tyler? Are you doing well? I'm doing very well. I'm doing. I'm very excited. I watched a movie that we were both very excited about, and the good news is, I loved it. Crazy Rich Asians. Woo! Success! It is everything I wanted it to be. I'm so excited. How do you, How do you feel about it? Because I feel that the only person who was more excited to see it was you. It was amazing. So me and a bunch of about six other Asians. And one of our mates who used to live in Singapore, we all went in a big ass group to an advanced screening. We laughed. A couple of people cried. Really? <laughs> yeah. One of my mates was crying. In which part? I don't know. Because she was, because we were such a big group. Like we were split into you rows. You had to separate. We had to separate. And she was in the row in front of me. But she told me after she cried. <laughs> It, I don't know if it was like your happy crying, like you know yeah, how just, you I'm always so cry. So overwhelmed and happiness. Yeah. But for those people who haven't watched it, run down. What was it about? So it is based on the book by Kevin Kwan, best-selling author. Which pretty much he wrote because um, he moved to the United States when he was about eight years old. But he actually came from a crazy rich Asian family Ugh. in Singapore. How lucky! And then when he came to America, huge culture shock, mm. and then. Realized, oh my God, my family back home in Singapore, it's hilarious to audiences who don't live in Asia. Yeah, this life. Mm. And to them, for the people living in Asia, that's their normal life. Yeah. <laughs> it's just everyday life. I don't know what's so funny about it, but he's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this you guys means- live in a bubble. I'm going to write about it. And he did. And now it's a movie. Um, first all Asian cast mm-hmm. in 25 years in Hollywood. Yep. Was it since the Joy Luck Club? Since the Joy Luck Club. Which was 12,000 years ago. So long ago. <laughs> Quarter century. 
Too long. Too long. But basically, the premise of the film is Rachel Chu, played by um, Constance Wu. Um, So she's, you know, your typical Asian-American gal, grew up there, very Western values. Mm. She has a very good-looking boyfriend. Oh, my God. He is beautiful. Henry Golding. (laughs) I stalked him on Instagram, got very upset when I found out he is married. Wife and child. How rude. Wife and child. (laughs) Um. Who has been a bit cagey about his family. Yep. Um, she knows he's from Singapore and he's like, look, my best mate's getting married. Come with me back to Singapore. You mm. can meet my friends. You can meet some of my family. Yeah. And we'll just have a good time at this wedding. She's like, sure, that's what you do when you're in a relationship, yep. right? You go meet his friends and family, see where he grew up, la di da di da Yeah. You know, what's going to be like? She did have some reservations. She did, she did say, oh, I know nothing about his family, but it's going to be a good way to learn about them. Exactly. Oh, Rachel. Oh, Rachel. Oh. Turns out he's from a crazy, crazy <laughs> rich Asian family. Um, Emphasis on crazy rich. Crazy This is not rich. even normal rich. This is... Redonkulous rich. Wildest dreams rich. And as this happens, she kind of goes, oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is more than I was anticipating. <laughs> In total. You knew how rich they were when Nick's cousin, Astrid, bought a pair of earrings and yeah. they were $1.3 million. Oh, Astrid. And then she hid them. <laughs> she took them home and then hid them because she didn't want her husband to find out that she'd bought these, which is its own other plot line. Yep. But just the idea that you could buy $1.3 million earrings and then just not wear them every single day for the rest of your life is just wild to And me. it's just one, one piece in her very large collection. collection. Yep, totally. So this is the scope of how rich they are. Yep. And, you know, our our heroine, she's come from, you know, her mum, single mother, mm. raised her up right. Yeah. She's like, try your best, do what you want to do. Yeah. So much so that she, like, she was having this conversation with her mum before she went to mm. Singapore and the... They were. Like, she was like, Nick's being so cagey. And her mum's like, well, maybe he comes from a poor family and he's really <laughs> embarrassed. And she was like, oh, maybe it is. I still love him though. Like, she is a darling, but could not have been further from the truth. Because first thing she, when they rock up the airport, he gets put on first class. No questions are asked. And I was like, uh, excuse me, I have bought Tupperware <laughs> because plain food is crap. That was the best part. I love how she's like, no, there's been a mistake. And he's like, no, it's all right. Just go with it. And she's like, we can't afford this. We can't afford this. I think oh. that gets me though. Um, how stingy he was when he kept stealing her dessert at the beginning. <laughs> Take it back, Nick. It's like, mate. You, need, you could have afforded your own that whole time. <laughs> Also, she was a professor, so she would have been getting some good uni dollars, mm. but still not as much money as, as he has. crazy rich Nick. Oh. Yeah. But, but they yeah. head to Singapore for all the antics ensue. <laughs> all the antics. And a Asian mother who – I feel that Nick's mum would have felt that no one in the world was good enough for Nick. But no. in this instance, to have an American Chinese woman Ooh. who had her own dreams and wanted to do her own things, like, you know, I think um, Rachel was always going to be up against it. Mm. But she did it so, like, yeah, she held herself very well. Yeah. So Nick's mum, played by the amazing Michelle Yao. Uh, she was so, I was afraid of her. She was chilling. She was. She was chilling. Like, 
She reminded me a lot of my auntie, who is one <laughs> scary mofo. <laughs> and as we've gotten older, we just learned to like actually pushing our buttons is really fun. <laughs> but when we were children, you did not do that. <laughs> she did this amazing level of I will ruin you in the calmest voice ever, oh. which is like from an Italian perspective where it's just yelling all the time. Yeah. I was like, how do you do that without raising your voice? Just cutting oh. through to your deepest insecurity with a look. It was powerful. It was so powerful. But Michelle Yao, she actually spoke about how she kind of understood where Rachel Chu's characters come from because that mm. happened to her because she's from Malaysia and when she moved to like – um, mainland China, they were like, oh, yeah. who is this woman who can't even speak proper? Oh, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Well, this is what's been funny. Um, throughout the week, there have been some articles that I've read in saying because um, Crazy Rich Asians has been really praised for its representation and so many people are like, thank goodness we finally get to see Asians on screen. Chrissy Teigen. I know. Oh, my God. Hers was beautiful. Watching, like, Luna get excited. And, and calling then- the grandmother the word they say in Thai. Thai the grandma, yes. Oh. And like, that's what I'm like. There are so many people from, you know, just people on the street to superstars like Chrissy Teigen getting very excited for the representation mm. that this film means. But I did see articles throughout the week going, Crazy Rich Asians doesn't represent me because. They was like either ignoring the politics of Singapore to be like there were a lot of maids or they weren't speaking Singapore English throughout it or throwing in more words. Their accents. (laughs) We had Chris Peng, who is an Aussie actor, playing Colin Koo, who is Nick's best mate. Yeah. His Australian accent was so strong. (laughs) <laughs> Did not sound Singaporean at all. You cannot hide an Australian accent sometimes, I feel. You can also not do an Australian accent. I think for oh. actors, it must be the biggest challenge. But, yeah, I do think it was interesting that some people were writing, like, for the first, for the as you said, the first film in, like, a quarter of a century and then to go, it doesn't represent me. There was a part of me that was a little bit mad to just go, no, everyone just get on board with this one. Then the next 12 they make, then you can start critiquing it to say this is not what's happening. Yeah. But, yeah. Because, yeah, there is huge, like, political differences between Southeast Asia and East Asians. Yeah. And this is pretty much representative of the East Asian contingent. But... You can't represent everyone, but it's a start to seeing Asians on screen. Exactly. exactly. And that's the thing. Like, if I was like, if there are 12,000 white movies, there are 12,000 white movies, mm. then you get the minutia of all the different types of ways to be white. So this is, mm. you know, support the first one, do the next one, do the next one, do the next one, do the next one. And then once you build a base, <laughs> then yeah. you can start critiquing. But, you know, give it a chance first. Give it a chance. But it was so good. I love it so much. And I want to watch it again. It's been interesting because also some of the people who've been critiquing it, you're like saying, oh, it's just another fairy tale story, that kind of thing. It's another, like, you know, pretty woman dressed up with what it is in the film. And then I'm like, because it's not for you. You are a white person writing about this. This movie is not for you. (laughs) The thing is, it's like, it's all right to be another pretty woman movie because there are a whole lot of white movies that are another pretty woman movie. Like, Hmm. yeah, I just, it just annoys me. Yeah. It It actually drives me crazy. And it does. The reason why it drives me so crazy is because it's like the fact that you can't see it 
shows that this movie is not for you because go ask someone who is very excited about it and ask them why they are excited about it. And it's not the plot line that they're excited about. It's what they're seeing. And they're seeing their stories finally on screen. Yeah. Yeah. So get around it. And like some of the support cast in this movie are amazing. So Orkafina, who plays her best friend. Yes. Yeah. Stole the damn film. (laughs) Everyone was just cracking up near me. Oh my goodness. I love the um the bok bok chicken. She had the best one liners. She had the best one liners. Oh my god. And just the general like her presence mm. was hilarious. Even like she gets invited because she knows obviously who Nick is. When mm. she finds out Rachel's dating Nick, she's like, That Nick Young? Are you are you crazy? Like, oh my goodness. And she's like, What? You're going to his house afterwards? One I will redress you because what you're wearing is like very, let's go to the shopping mall. And she's like, and secondly, I will drop you off just to see his where he lives. And then she gets there and Nick invites her in and she tries to the no, no. And then she's like, absolutely. Goes to the boot of her car, has outfits to change into. It's like Three outfits, like cocktail. Yes. Walk of shame. Oh, yes. And a third one that was equally as inappropriate. Yeah. It was something wild. And then she gets out a cocktail dress. And then but she like pauses between the walk of like the walk of shame and the cocktail dress. Like which one? Uh I know. I will go with this one. And then she walks inside and instead of trying to play it cool, she's taking selfies of herself on the stairs as she's going up to the bathroom to get changed. Meanwhile she's come to this really swanky party yeah. dressed in dashing. <laughs> Pajamas. <laughs> she actually was, wasn't she? Yes, she was. <laughs> oh my god, oh. she was hilarious. Just the whole family dynamic because her dad in the film was played by Ken Jeong. <laughs> oh, who was and her brother who her was in bro- love with Rachel, Rachel and would just be like, yeah, just creeping. And we're just like, you're really creepy, but okay. <laughs> I know her family was actually so great. It was, and then you could tell they also really loved each other, even yeah. though they were like teasing the hell out of each oh, other, which actually then felt like a real family. Yeah, in that delightful let's all sit around the table and I think that that was an interesting that I was just thinking about that then is that the comparison of when like her family all sat around the table and they were all joking with each other Mm. Rachel felt really welcome and really included and as a juxtaposition when she was around the table at Nick's family making dumplings and even though she was you know asking questions doing the polite thing too yeah her like Nick's mum was subtly not so subtly just (laughs) grilling her to be like a this is my wedding ring and I got this and I had to make sacrifices and are you willing to make sacrifices (laughs) I don't think you are because this is what it's like you have to like give up your career and your ambition and do all these things and she's just like okay thanks I was just asking about your ring it was pretty (laughs) there's this moment when so at the end, of course, they get together. Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. What? Are you saying this isn't a fairy tale? Oh, what? No. How? But there was this moment when Nick gives her the ring oh. and all my friends just burst out laughing. The cinema just went, oh, my God, he killed his mother. <laughs> Whereas a normal person would have gone, oh, that means his mum approved. <laughs> 
I mean, the natural conclusion would have been, and mum's dead. <laughs> mum's dead. He's chopped off her hand and given Rachel. This is actually ring. a Norman Bates psycho yes. story for all those people who thought it was a Cinderella one. Plot twist. Horror movie. Sorry. <laughs> How bad. But as you can hear from our very disorganized rambling, we love it. Go it's see so it. It's so good. It's so good. I really do want a bok bok, bitch. Like, oh, my goodness. I feel that, that that would be a really good life motto slash I want it on a T-shirt. I want a T-shirt, mug anything. Yeah, just bok bok, bitch. If Crazy Rich Asians doesn't come up with merch with bok bok, bitch on it. Surely. They better. I was just like, I want to Google it and see if it's already out there. If not, go on Pinterest, make all the dollars. I just realized I cannot create anything. That will be hard. I take it back. <laughs> Copyright my idea, you do it, give me dollars. <laughs> Yay! Sorted! Also the eye candy. Oh my God. Ridiculous. I know that you were saying before, like, in this, the idea of Asian men not being attractive. Yeah. This movie will change everyone's mind. So oh if anyone God. ever says to you, oh, I just don't find Asian men attractive, like, make them watch this movie because it was outrageous. I was just like, is that... Chris Peng from Tomorrow When the War Began. Oh, my God, flex that. Hello. <laughs> Keep flex. Okay, yes, honey. <laughs> Shirts optional the oh whole my God. time. But I love that the filmmaker, John M. Chu, he knew he was catering to a predominantly female uh, audience. Yeah. Because there were so many gratuitous shots of just shirtless men. I'm not complaining. And I'm like, I am all for it. Like, there's this shower scene of Astra's husband having a shower. Oh, yes. And it literally was the slowest pan I've ever seen in a shower. See, I always- like, every droplet, like, going down his back, it's like... Oh, wow. <laughs> this is happening. I also really liked the scene where Nick just gets out of bed and he's just got some grey track pants on, shirtless, and you've just gone, whoa, what is that? What is that God? <laughs> Again, missed any dialogue that happened in that scene. Mm. <laughs> Was distracted. Um, in the great words of Constance Wu in that scene, hover, hover. <laughs> Complete with the glasses moving yeah, back and forth. Back and forth. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, no, yes. But then they've got the range of, you know, <laughs> the ridiculous Ronnie Chang. Oh. <laughs> he plays one of Nick's cousins in this, <laughs> Eddie, and oh, my gosh, the way he makes his family pose. Outrageous. <laughs> it's so full funny. Full impact, like, full impact. <laughs> angles, angles. <laughs> It was actually kind of hilarious, especially when they're on the red carpet at the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling back. And his children are so well trained. All of them just do shoulder. <laughs> they all know what they're doing. Oh. Yeah. Red carpet at a wedding. Mm. I loved it. So the other thing, though, is they had a very high billing for Harry Shum Jr. Yes. And I was looking for him the whole film. Where was he? Last 20 seconds, making eyes at Astrid. The last 20 seconds? Yeah. Because I was thinking that as I was watching the movie, mm. going, where is Harry Shum Jr.? Because he's been building everything. Exactly. Exactly. So, from the think pieces I've been reading, they're like, oh, they, they've done that, so they can definitely get a sequel, which has been commissioned. <gasps> <gasps> Do you reckon the sequel will be with him and Astrid? Oh, well, but the thing is, in the book, their storyline, because he plays a guy named Charlie Wu, their storyline's yeah. explored more in the book, but they didn't do it in the film. So I think they've just left that as like a bit of a fishing line, so we uh, can get like little hooks in the second film. 
Because I was about to say the second film could just be their wedding. <laughs> the, the second book has more drama than that. Oh. <laughs> all the drama. Well, so of course drama. there's going to be a sequel. Yeah. Breaking box office. And there are three books in this series so far. Oh, so good. Oh. Are you going to see it again? Absolutely I am. I feel like it's one of those movies that you can watch multiple times mm. and just be happy slash discover something new and outrageous in it because you are it's so it's so beautifully done and it's so colourful and it's rich in not just money sense, but in its colour and in its mm. vibrancy and in its we're doing things and look at this over there and like it's very easy to like obviously not coming from that super rich world to just get really locked into very small details like, a, oh, you're having a party and you've got waiters or you've got maids just who live there and you've got your own kitchen stuff that sometimes you actually get distracted by what the scene is. Mm-hmm. So I think it's one of those movies that you could watch over mm-hmm. and over again and learn something new, discover something new and just love it even more. Well, um, while we recover... Mm. Do you want to hear from Blake? We haven't heard from him for a while. Oh, my goodness, yes. What has he been up to? He's been a busy guy, being a dad, and he's going to be hosting the Actor Film Festival in September. Bravo. Golf clap. Golf clap. So he heard our little mishap last week, and he's like, oh, I miss you guys. So, yay. Here's a little review from Blake with You Are Never Really Here. Close your eyes. You awake and submerged, first in water, then wrapped in suffocating plastic that echoes the coping mechanisms of a traumatic childhood memory. Scottish filmmaker Lynn Ramsey elevates the vigilante tropes of You Are Never Really Here into a sensory experience dripping with the haunting psychological cost of death. Dizzying, pulsating soundscapes seamlessly edited around fleeting glimpses into a disturbing past events and subversive visions of vengeance, Ramsey and star Joaquin Phoenix have delivered something that refuses to be forgotten. Phoenix plays Joe, a gun for hire that provides a special service. If you have a missing child and you prefer those responsible to suffer a brutal end, he's your man. They said you were brutal. I can be. I want you to hurt them. While on job to retrieve a senator's daughter from sexual captivity, Joe's ensnared by a plot to protect a bent governor's perversion from being interrupted. Ramsey is a fascinating filmmaker, making calculated choices about where to position the viewer. Ramsey is not interested in the gratuity of violent acts, in the pitiless actions of a killer. In the first whole job that we see Joe undertake, we learn the layout of the building he must infiltrate via a network of black and white stationary security cameras. Rather than getting an intimate point of view to increase the suspense as he stalks through the halls, demonstrating his savage efficiency, Ramsey keeps a distance. We catch Joe often in the wake of killing rather than in the act. Instead, we get up close and personal to Nina Votto, played by Ekaterina Samsonov, who has retreated inward, trying to disassociate what's about to happen to her young body when she's rescued. All of this, like the rest of the film, occurs as a multi-layered soundtrack melds incidental music, score, and the sounds of the scene through Joe's damaged mind. Cinema speakers almost don't do it justice. This could be one that you'd like to hear only through noise-canceling headphones. Since the untimely departure of Philip Seymour Hoffman, Phoenix has ascended to the ranks of the best actor of his generation. Joe in You Are Never Really Here is yet another fascinating character to add to his repertoire. A husk of a man, outwardly unassuming and unkempt, which that 
unassuming casing houses scars from abuse and attempts to protect innocence from government institutions seen in flashbacks. The chaos and rage are tempered with remnants of normality that you see as he's caring for his mother, played by Judith Roberts. One cursory search in Google will see that Ramsey's subjective portrayal of damaged masculinity has drawn a tsunami of comparisons to Martin Scorsese and Paul Schrader's 1976 masterpiece, Taxi Driver. There are some inescapable similarities in the story. Both Joe and Travis are vigilantes entangled in playing hero to young girls trapped in the seedy underbelly of New York. There are a few, I assume, intentional nods to Scorsese's iconic aesthetic. As Joe drives through the city, Ramsey and cinematographer Thomas Townend cast the lights on his face like the kaleidoscope of thoughts going through his mind. There are stark differences in each text. For starters, in Taxi Driver, the city is an organism. Travis is a product of the cesspool, so to speak, who feels like he's being called to intervene. For Ramsey, the town, the job, the ill-fitting clothes are the distractions. Joe may be the anonymous, but his damaged energy reverberates. When Joe is standing on an elevated rail platform, looking through the tracks to the traffic below, you can almost hear him being beckoned to fall. Joe feels like he's going unnoticed, but Ramsey places a perceptive unnamed female commuter who cannot take her eyes off of him. Ramsey is looking for the events that resonate through Joe and to examine the actions through the prism of life-altering situations. Scorsese said that Taxi Driver was largely inspired by John Ford's 1956 western The Searchers, starring John Wayne. Wayne's Ethan Edwards, a Civil War veteran for the South, embarks on a mission to rescue his niece from Comanche Raiders, taking his prejudice along for the ride. Joe's past efforts for justice from within governmental institutions have failed, and his trajectory echoes Ethan's much more than Travis. In the final moments of the searches, Ethan Edwards Wayne is seen cutting his undeniable silhouette walking out the door of his homestead. In those final steps, one doesn't feel contentment. Ethan is defined by an impossible cause, that when fulfilled means that he must face the harsh truths about himself. In the closing moments of You Are Never Really Here, that I won't spoil, Ramsey and Phoenix portray those indelible doubts too. Thought from within. John Ford has 146 directing credits to his name. Lim Ramsey had eight. With such command of the form, one shudders to think of Ramsey's next 138. It's okay, Joe. It's okay. You were never really here. Four and a half stars. Old mate Joaquin, eh? I know. He's such a he's such an interesting character, isn't he? He's very yeah. complex. And when I yeah. say character, he is a person. Yeah. I don't know. I feel conflicted about him since he was such good mates with Casey Affleck. Yeah. And didn't he I'm like an interview that he did once. Was it with Conan? Mm. I remember an interview and it was just the craziest thing ever. <laughs> And you watched it, and you were like, "Oh, when he, he was when he was in his like really big bearded face." Yeah, and you just watched it, and you were like, "Oh, I don't think you're mentally stable," and I think that this might be a cry for help right now. Yeah, but everyone wasn't sure if it was like promo for like yes. a new movie or an album or what he yeah. was doing because he's either a genius. Yeah, maybe he is just a genius. He's either a genius or he just has stopped caring. Mm. He's just going, "I'm doing me." And he's just going, I'm going to say stuff that I know is going to confront you for some reason. And yeah, but Joaquin, 
Fucking. I mean, it's like Shia LaBeouf when he was walking around with a paper bag on his head. Oh, my God. Oh, remember that? <laughs> Shia LaBeouf when he did that video that was like, yeah, you can do it. And it was like that weird inspirational video that was just very strange in a lot of different ways. Just do it. You mean that? <laughs> yes, I do. It was so inspirational. Wasn't it? Do it. Just do it. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it. Make your dreams come true. Just do it. Do you feel inspired now, Tali? <laughs> I don't know whether I feel inspired or I need to go get my rape whistle or pepper spray. <laughs> it's just, it's very aggressive. And it's just like, it's just one of those things where you're like doing really well. Like, I don't, I don't know why my head went to you're winning Wimbledon, but you're like <laughs> crying at the same time because you're like, I don't know why I'm here. But Shia was yelling at me and now I'm here and I can't do it. But he I can't do, do it. it. So I did it. And now I've done it. And now I've won. I've achieved my dreams. And I just want to go lie down in bed. It's just, it's too aggressive. So aggressive. It's a fine line of between being inspirational and being aggressive. And he crossed that line. <laughs> he doesn't even know where the line was. He overshot the line with his dreams. Keep living your dream, Shire. <laughs> well, speaking of people who don't know the line, Louis C.K. has just returned. To the shit list. You are officially on my shit list. What's it on now? Well, five months after all those, you know, he admitted to, yeah, I did some really awful things. Yes. He's come back onto the stand-up scene. <sighs> and apparently in his new stand-up, does not address any of those said issues. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's just like as life can just never, like it just continued. Yeah. Nothing happened. Business it's like, as usual. It's like, I said that I did it and I put myself in the naughty corner, but I'm all right now. Mm. Like, no. And this is what's so funny is because like Louis C.K.'s comedy addressed a lot of those things. Mm. And that's why it was so powerful and everyone loved him pre the whole things that he was doing is mm. because he was, again, someone who would say like, make yourself accountable. You have to do this. Like one of my favorite lines that I heard was from Louis CK where, where he was talking about when you upset someone. Mm. And he said, if someone tells you, you upset them, it's not up to you to decide that you didn't. And I was like, that is so powerful, Louis C.K. Look oh at you God. with your wisdom, which is, I was just like, yeah, that's exactly right. If you upset someone, you don't get to go, no, I didn't, because they're telling you that if you're upset. And I was like, oh, look at you and your insight and you are so woke. And then he went and did this shit and yeah. then comes back. And like, like, he didn't do this shit. for permission. Oh, uh, I don't not. think they consented either way when they, you asked for permission. The, pro- the thing that I think will be interesting is now that he's back on the comedy circuit. Mm. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> um, but now that he is back, mm. it'll be really interesting to see ticket sales. Yeah. Because, like, if he comes back and no one buys tickets, mm. then he'll know that, hey, <laughs> me coming back is not a good thing. Like, back I go, back into the naughty corner until – or back until I can actually stand up and say this is what I did that was wrong, this is – and help, like, help it moving forward. Yeah. But to come by, back and just be like, brush it off as if it never happened. Yeah. Then what was the point? So disappointing. And so dis- – oh, Louise, okay. Oh, dear. 
dear, oh dear, oh dear. Shall we go to some happy, happy cast- casting news? Oh, yes. It has been a good um, week for casting news. Yeah. Should the we- big the big one? The big one. Yeah. Star Wars 9. Mm-hmm. A little old man called Matt Smith. But we don't know what his role is. No. So the Doctor. The Doctor himself. The doctor. And also Prince, Prince Philip, Philip from The Crown. <laughs> Prince Philip the Doctor. <laughs> he's been in the Doctor Who world and then the Royal world and now he's, he's in, in a Terminator world too. Terminator, Terminator world <laughs> and now he's just in a galaxy far, oh, far oh, away. I, do you know what I love about it though? Yeah. Is that he gets cast, everyone's like very excited and then, then the next breath it's like, oh, he must be Ray's dad. But which is funny, <laughs> it's like everyone who's getting cast, that must be Ray's dad. Like Dominic Lachlan yeah. is at Monaghan. The one from Lost. Monaghan. Yeah. I was like, Lachlan's not right, but it no, sounds like that. But he's also in, sh- uh, what is it, Bite Club <laughs> <laughs> on Channel 9, which I still don't understand. <laughs> Lost did not treat him what well. Is it, is, it a, is it a police procedural or are you about sharks? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't so get it out. <laughs> but I also like that he was cast and people are like, Ray's dad. <laughs> like, that's Ray's dad. Everyone is like, Ray's dad. <laughs> Someone's going to be raised out. Who knows? Who knows? Could it be Matt Smith? Mm. But he's great in making you cry because he does that quivering lip in Doctor uh, Who and then you're just like, Aah! oh, yeah, which means like tug on those emotions. Mm-hmm. But it will be interesting because it is the final moving in, in the trilogy mm. that it comes together. And there are so many big names that are coming up, but they still have to wrap so many storylines too. So it's going to be an Epic movie. Yeah, and when they're using old footage from yes. when they filmed film eight with um, Carrie Fisher. Yes. Shortly after that film. So, yeah, they're not going to – no CGI. They're just going to use what they have of her, mm. which means they have to really build the story around what they have of Exactly, her. what she'd already said. Yeah. And then they'd cut, but mm. then in the same – like, obviously in the same scenes. Yeah. And then – yeah, I just feel that there are so many stories, storylines that they have to wrap. Yeah, come together, tie in a bow. <laughs> well, the way it was kind of said, it was like, all right, episode seven, it was Han's final story. Yeah, episode eight, Luke's final story. Now, the, uh, and then episode three is supposed to be Leia's final story, but that uh, it can't really be. Yeah. happen. So. Feel like they are furiously riding <laughs> loopholes, loopholes, all the loopholes. The other interesting thing is, I wonder how much um, Matt Smith is going to get paid. Mm. Like he's going to get dollars, um, especially because, after the crown. I know that he was actually earning more than the, like the queen, the actress who played the queen. Claire but Foy, yeah. yeah, but it was kind of funny, like because some people were saying, "Oh, well, he's only might just have a really small part because they're already filming," but. No, because you don't know the order in which they're doing it. Because they always shoot in blocks. Yeah, exactly. So it could be that it's just his block hasn't been like mm-hmm. up yet. Slash, maybe they were just doing salary negotiation for a really long time because now he's <laughs> got the true. dollars. That is um, true. Yeah, so we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, Star who Trek. Is. Yeah, I mean, Star Trek's on hold right now oh. because Chris Pine and all of them are like yeah. having salary issues, yeah. like negotiation issues. So uh, money have been needed, mm. and they are negotiating the dollars. But I think it's a really smart casting choice in the sense that, like, 
Matt was easily one of the favourite Doctor Whos. So mm. you've got this whole Whovian world. If they yeah. didn't already, if they weren't already into Star Wars, they is gonna be. Mm. And I mean. It's, again, building the hype for this movie that doesn't come out till next December, 2019. Yeah, Yeah. so there's no Star Wars film this coming December. Yes. Which would be, like, the first in a very long time. (gasps) Which means I feel like everyone who's got, like, a summer blockbuster in the US coming out, they're like, yes. Thank you. Thank you. We can take back the box office. Probably a whole lot of them that had scheduled it well, not to be in December well, that, are now like been, quickly. That's been happening for the past three years. Yeah, they've just had not. They've just skipped the December block and just gone straight to January yeah. to avoid yeah. all of that happening. Do not enter this territory. No, not worth it. And because Star Wars came out with Solo in May, yeah, that left this whole December block free and open. Oh, open season. <laughs> It's blockbuster movies that always mm. thought that they could now get a chance to prove yeah. it. Watch but, this space indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So but it be uh, interesting. See it's a long goes. time to wait, though. Oh, they can wait. They've waited how many times? <laughs> Sophie has no sympathy for you. No. Keep waiting, come on. Guys. The original trilogy came out in the 70s and 80s, and the prequels were a disappointment, so we just don't count them. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Feel free to tweet, Sophie, if you disagree. <laughs> Come on, tell me Jar Jar was great. <laughs> so he's like, just, yeah, light it up, bring Come it on. on. Bring it on. Um, but, yeah, it will be, I think it'll be very interesting to see who, who he plays. Will yeah. he be Ray's dad? Mm. Who do you reckon Ray's dad is? I reckon he was just some junk shooter that left it there. I just think he was a bad dad. <laughs> the deadbeat dad of the Star Wars. Dad. It's an ongoing theme in the series. So, you know, I think they're going to continue it. He was just a nobody. And that was it. Like, Luke was always raised thinking he was a nobody. Mm. And it's like, actually, no, your dad was this. But at uh, his heart, he was always just that farm boy from Tatooine. <laughs> so, you know. That's how I feel. I'm like, it's it's the point. And even in episode eight, where there's like that little boy mm. who has like force, it's like, in and he's like a stable boy. It's like anybody can be a Jedi. You don't have to be born into it. Oh. So. It's the great equalizer. Exactly. It's like, doesn't matter how rich you are, doesn't matter how powerful you are, you can the be force <laughs> with you. The force is within you. Wow, that was so wise. It got really deep just then. So deep. Such deep. Oh, the madness. There was the other casting news as well. Yeah, so it's been announced that Damon Harriman, um, you might know from Australian dramas, like All Saints. Water Rats. Water Rats. Love my way. Yeah. Um, but he's been in other things like Squinters, um, mm. The Pacific. Mm. Like, he's a well-known Australian actor. Probably still breaking in the US, but yep. he's been cast in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the role that he will be playing? Charles Manson. What? The Charles Manson. Which is huge because that movie is largely around Charles Manson, Manson doing his thing. And murdering the wife of Roman Polanski. Yeah. But the fact that it's gone to a relatively unknown actor, well, known in Australia, like, You'll he's, know him if you see him, you know, and he's, he's still breaking into America. Yeah, in America. Like but, you see him, you're like, oh, oh yeah, that guy. He's in everything. Yeah, here. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. But when it was announced, a lot of Americans were like, "Who's he? Who's he?" What's well, every guy? Australian was like, "Yeah, yay! 
we did it. We now have two of them in there. Thanks, Margot. <laughs> Thanks, Damon. I'll yeah. win that fought up. Exactly. Mm. But he will probably have a bit role. Is that what we're is that what we're expecting? Because he is so unknown, or is this his I chance to shine? I don't know. Because I mean, he will be. I mean, the film does star what Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt yeah. in Turtlenecks. Yeah. So, <laughs> no one else will have any airtime. No. But you know, you watch like say the Kill Bill films. You mm. didn't even see Bill till the second half of the second film. Yeah, that is so true. So he'll probably play, have like a huge significant part, but in my when be, he plays when it, he plays yeah, it. yeah, it'll still be a pivotal. Mm. good moment for him yeah, and will give him so much exposure if he is, you know, still trying to break into the American market. Yeah. He's like in his 40s. Well, he's, he's got a few bits. He's on the Lone Ranger and stuff, mm. but, you know. This Baby, this be, is his big break. His big, big, big break. Oh, you added another big and your voice went deep. <laughs> That's how serious Sophie is about his big, big, so- big break. Big breaks. <laughs> Yay. When is that due out? No, probably next year as well. Why is everything? If it's filming now, if he's only been, it's been announced he's been cast. Yeah. Oh, look, it's still going to be a while. Isn't I mean, it? we're in September now, Tali. That is crazy. September 2018. So, what movies do we have to look forward to in September 2018, Sophie? She says, putting you on the spot. Um, crazy Rich Asians, Crazy Rich Asians, Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you just watch that on repeat until all the other totally. movies come out. Yeah. Like I, I was it. looking earlier at the cinemas and because it's like, um, what is it, 10 years of Marvel, they're replaying all the Marvel movies on the big screen. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. I'm like, that'll be one hell of a marathon. Don't know if I can cope. <laughs> they're going to play it back to back. I don't know if it's back-to-back, but there are many sessions of all the Marvel films because it's been about 10 years since, yeah, Iron Man. Really? Mm. Oh, my God. I'm so getting old. (laughs) It's when you say things like that, like Iron Man's been around for 10 years. Mm. I'm like, I remember it coming out. Mm. And I obviously know I'm older than 10, but it's still (laughs) like, (laughs) that happened in my lifetime. I'm talking to a friend of mine. She's got like a 13-year-old son, and I'm like, oh, my God, these films are all everything that your son knows. And she's like, yep, he's been through all of them from, what? like, you know, when he was barely crawling. It's like, jeez. Wow. Yeah. That's a lifetime. It's, a, it's his lifetime, yeah. His lifetime. I know someone said the other day that it was, like, Torn, Natalie and Brulia's song. Mm-hmm. It's 20 years old. Oh, my God. Right. We're so old. I know. I know. For some reason, I was just like, wow, that hit me. That hit me right in the old age. <laughs> oh, on that oh. note, should we leave it at that, Tully? I think old time Sophie needs to go have a nap. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Gaggle of Geeks. If you want to listen more, look us up on all good podcasting platforms. We are at 2SERs, Gaggle of Geeks. You can also find us on the Twitters at 2 ser. Yeah, you can. Yeah. What? (laughs) Okay. Seriously. Wraps. Wraps. Thanks, Blake, for joining us briefly. Yay. Yay. Thank you, Blake. Till next time. Bye. Bye.